Hello, and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson, and I'm Kathleen Shannon. I am Sammy Jo Jensen, and I'm Being Boss. All right, you guys, today we are talking to Sammy Jo Jensen of Flora Apothecary. And as always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. All right, you guys, the nature of work is changing. One in three Americans is self-employed, but I feel as if the world was not built for the self-employed. There are so many institutions that currently support the workforce, and they're not keeping up with the pace of change needed to serve us creative entrepreneurs. So these are things that have been holding people back from working for themselves or the things that really intimidate us from doing our best work. Institutions like banks, retirement savings, employment insurance, accounting services, they need to adapt or be replaced. And this is why I love FreshBooks Cloud Accounting so much. FreshBooks has dedicated themselves to keeping up with creative entrepreneurs and what they really need in a new market and a new economy. They've offered new solutions and are constantly updating their features and tools and resources for freelancers and small business owners in this rapidly changing market. You can try FreshBooks for free today by going to www.freshbooks.com slash beingboss and you can get a 30-day unrestricted free trial just for you guys by entering Being Boss in the How Did You Hear About Us section. So again, that's freshbooks.com slash being boss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. So you guys, Sammy Jo Jensen is a digital marketer by day and a natural skincare maker by night. She's the sole boss babe behind Flora Apothecary, her line of 100% natural and vegan beauty products. She's been studying herbalism and creating her own cosmetic concoctions since the age of 11. She's on a mission to help women embrace their natural beauty, educate them on toxins in cosmetics, and help them find natural alternatives. Sammy, we're so glad to have you on the show. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So you've actually been on both of our Being Boss vacations with us. Yes. In New Orleans and Miami. Hopefully you'll be joining us again in New Orleans later this year. Hopefully. Crossing my fingers. (laughs) Um, But it's so good to see you. And we're super stoked to have you on the show for a lot of reasons. But let's start by just having you share your journey to becoming a creative entrepreneur and a maker. Obviously, you've been making products since you were 11. So maybe start there. Yeah. So um, I've always, always been a maker. I've always liked to tinker with things and make stuff. Not always well, necessarily, but... (laughs) Um, yeah, so I've just, I've always, (laughs) always been a maker. Um, but yeah, so I started making like natural beauty products when I was 11. I bought a kit at like a local craft store for melt and pour soap where you just melt down a base and you add fragrance and colorants to it. And I did that in our microwave at home and burned the soap and it smelled awful (laughs) and um, got better and better at it. And I poured it into like little molds and gave it to my friends and my family who all had to, you know, then use the soap in solidarity of me, even though it was probably pretty bad. (laughs) Um, But I've gotten a lot better since then. So um, probably around... 19-ish, I uh, started selling Avon products and I was so bad at it. Um, I'm not the like door-to-door knocker kind of girl. And also, I just didn't really believe in the product, I think. Um, So, you know, I was probably like in the shower one day looking at my shower gel from Avon and I realized that it was just full of all of these ingredients that I didn't know. Um, And I'm also very, very... um, uh, you know, I, I love to like know what, what I'm doing and why, and I'm very curious. So I went to like research these ingredients and realized there were so many really bad things um, that were that were in these things that were linked to like, um, you know, skin, like all kinds of skin ailments, um, rashes, and, you know, even things like cancer and birth defects. And I was like, wow, this doesn't seem good. So I already knew how to make soap. So I could just kind of go back and and start from there. Uh, So I did. And um, I actually first started making and selling cupcake soaps. So they were little soaps that were shaped like cupcakes. Even the frosting 
with soap. Um, I hand Wait, applied it. Wait, and were it. you like <laughs> microwaving? Were you still microwaving the soap? No. <laughs> at this time, I at least had uh, like a double boiler that I was using. <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't, you know, burn anything. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the first thing that I started selling. And that um, that was when I was poor and pretty. And I took that name from a blog that I had started with a friend um, because we were both like broke in college and she was really into fashion. I was really into like DIY beauty. Uh, so we kind of started this blog together. Um, after a little while, I, uh, you know, she sort of stopped blogging and I kind of took over and then I used that name for my product line. So that's sort of where it all started. <laughs> Okay, so you started with cupcake soaps. At the same time, were you going to college for beauty? I mean, what were you majoring in in school? Yeah, so I majored in communications. So it's like, you know, super broad kind of thing. Um, I really wanted to go to school to be an actress, actually. <laughs> but that did not happen. Um, you know, I really wanted to go to LA, but my family just, we didn't really have the money to do that. I was the first one first generation and first one of my siblings to go to college. So, um, you know, it just wasn't really in the cards for me to, to move out to LA and pursue acting. So I knew that I liked to talk and write and communicate. So communications was sort of the way to go for me. So yeah, while, um, while I was, you know, kind of doing the poor and pretty blogging and making products, I was going to college too. And then after college, you got a job. So you have a day job now. Yes. And you're side hustling for Floor Apothecary. So I'd love to hear a little bit about the day job and what you do there and how it is that you began like the side hustle of juggling both of the things. Yeah, because it sounds like you were juggling both things since even like if you think of college as a day job, yeah. I, mean, you were, I mean, how many of us had passion projects? I didn't have a passion project in college, I don't think. I, my passion project was like partying. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't. Yeah, I, project. I was not much of a partier. Um, you know what? The truth is I wasn't either. Like I say that, but I was definitely that person in college. I was like, you guys, I turn into a pumpkin at midnight. Like I got to go home and go to sleep. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I actually, so besides going to college and doing the blog and cupcake soaps, I actually also had a job too. Um, sometimes depending on what year it was, it might've been full-time or not full-time. So yeah, so I have been used to juggling a lot of things. Um, I blame that on being a Gemini. Uh, and so then, you know, essentially like I had a job initially that started as an internship for another, for a communications firm. So I was doing exactly what I had gone to school for, um, you know, helping clients with their social media strategies, that kind of stuff, lots of writing, blogging. Um, then I kind of grew out of that job and started working for Timex, the watch brand. Um, I started there in their e-commerce department and then moved over to be a graphic designer. Um, and actually this goes back to, I was, I was listening to, um, episode 108 today, your episode on leaving your day job. And, um, one of the things that struck me, which is something I know you've said a lot, Kathleen, was, you know, if you, if you have to be in a day job, try to do things, you know, find work in your day job that fuels your side hustle or helps it in some way. So um, when I, my last position at Timex was as a graphic designer, um, it's, you know, I'm self-taught. So, but it's something that I have always been interested in on my own. I've designed like all of my own collateral, my logo, my business cards, my website, like I've done all of that myself. So I knew that actually being a graphic designer would help me feel like I had the real skills and legitimacy, um, kind of going back to that fraudy feelings episode, which was like way early on. Um, so yeah, so I mean, and then I left, I actually left Timex last year, um, just because there were some changes that I wasn't super happy about. But anyway, um, left there and now I'm working for a big university. Actually, it's kind of a small university, but still. And I'm managing their digital marketing, um, like all, all, basically all of their social media channels. And that's something that I do, obviously, constantly with my own, you know, brand with Floor Apothecary. So still communicating. Uh, I love that. <laughs> I love that your day jobs are starting to help you develop skills that 
certainly show up in Floor Apothecary. And so I want to talk about that for a second because yeah. I didn't realize that you designed your own logo, which I love. I Thank love, you. I remember whenever you were in the Facebook group asking people to vote on a different logo, I yeah. didn't realize that you had designed those. Yes. <laughs> um, so I want to talk a little bit about the rebrand because I remember you were starting to just approach a rebrand whenever we were in New Orleans in 2015. Yes. 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 <laughs> um, going from poor and pretty to floor apothecary. So, can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to rebrand? Yeah, it was it was a gut thing actually. Um, it started to not feel like I don't know. Poor was just sort of you know negative to me, and um, it just didn't feel it just didn't feel right anymore. Um, and so I kind of had these feelings, and then when I when we, I don't remember if we were, um, we weren't recording the podcast in New Orleans, but it was one of the, um, one of the sessions that we did. And I, you know, talked about my rebrand and that I wanted to do that. And Emily said something that just sticks out when she knows because she's laughing. Um, you I know, this. yeah, she was like, way to cut yourself off at the knees. And I was like, oh my God, she's so right. And I had already known that, but it was one of those things that I kind of needed to hear other people say it. And by this point, I had gotten away from making my cupcake soaps um, because I knew I wanted to go a more natural route. I should also say, backing up you know, to my 11-year-old self, um, I was watching a lot of Buffy and I was studying paganism and herbalism. And yes, I will be honest and say that Buffy probably led to that. I know that makes me a huge nerd. <laughs> You're like a total willow. When oh, we yeah. were talking about moving to LA, I was like, oh, you would be the perfect willow. Oh, that <laughs> makes me feel so good. <laughs> I oh, loved her. I love that. Um, yeah. So anyway, so kind of all of that sort of culminated into me wanting to you know, make natural products. And also under the name Poor and Pretty, I was totally undercharging. I felt like I couldn't charge what my products were worth because of the name Poor and Pretty. Um, and I had sat on the name Floor Apothecary for about a year, probably even longer than that. Like I bought the domain name. It was just something that came to me. And I was like, I like this. I'm going to sit on it for a while. And then after going to New Orleans um, and after kind of doing a little bit more thinking, I was like, yes, I'm doing this thing. Um, so, and that was right around the time that I made a lot of changes in my life. I do things really big and all at once. I broke up with my ex-boyfriend. Um, I rebranded. I, <laughs> I moved. I got a new job, like pretty much all within like six months to a year. Um, how old were you whenever all of that? I mean, I feel so silly asking how no, old were okay. you. No, that's okay. But you know, like I think that age is kind of relevant for all these milestones. And I feel like a lot of us are at the age where we are doing a lot of big things at the same time. And I don't think it's talked about enough in the creative entrepreneur circles that we're having babies and getting married or getting divorced and building a business and all these things are happening all at the same time. Yeah. So I was 28. Um, I'm, I'm 29, almost 30 now. So um, I am, you know, not married and having babies. Um, having babies still kind of kind of terrifies me a little bit, but um, <laughs> as it should, it should. <laughs> oh, thanks, that's reassuring. Um, but no, so yeah, and but I I was in a seven year long relationship, and it was pretty serious. But you know, I just for a lot of reasons had to end it. I do talk about that a lot in my blog post, the by Felicia one that I wrote for being boss. So. You know, but essentially he just wasn't supportive, wasn't, you know, it just, it, it wasn't a good thing for me. Um, I remember in New Orleans, someone else asked, um, like, what, what do you do if you're kind of more woo-woo and your partner isn't, or, you know, just in general, unsupportive of your creative endeavors, even from career to personal and I was like, wait, what? Dump them. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you were speaking to me, essentially. <laughs> you didn't know it at the time. <laughs> but so funny. Yeah. And then I also uh, sought out the uh, tarot card reader with the blue dreads that you talked about. And she said the same thing. And so I was like, yeah, see, this is one of those things I already knew. Um, so. Okay. Yeah. So you rebranded and yeah. your brand now is so classy. I. I couldn't even remember that you were poor and pretty. Like, I completely <laughs> forgot that whole conversation. And so I think that this really speaks to having that outer package. And not only does it help 
position you in your field as this high-end, super classy, non-toxic product, I think it also probably gave you the confidence to charge more, to develop new products maybe yes, even. Definitely. And I think that that's important for people to understand as well is that branding isn't just about from the inside out, but kind of from the outside in oh, whenever yeah. it comes to creating the the business that you want to build. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I was, so essentially what I did to rebrand is I shut down, I shut down Porn Pretty Apothecary. At the time I was only selling through Etsy. Um, and you know, I sold like in person at craft fairs and things like that, but most of my business came through Etsy and I was like, no, I'm done with Etsy. I guess I'm not quite done with Etsy. I still have a few products there, but at the time I was like, I, I want to control my brand. I want to control my email list. You know, I knew all of those things were important. So I was like, I'm going to go with Shopify. Um, I can code, but I hate it. So I was like, I'm going to go with something where I know that I don't have to do a whole lot with it. So I went with Shopify and I felt really, that felt really boss to me. Like that just felt like this is a, this is like a big girl tool because I have to pay a monthly fee to use it and I have to be really serious about it. Um, But I also knew that my sales would support that. Um, And And have they? Like how has your business grown since rebranding? It's, um, it's grown a lot. I have a lot more wholesale accounts. Um, I'm doing a lot more online sales. I have, I actually have a lot of people who say the same thing that you do, which is, you know, um, oh, I had no idea that you like that this was your side hustle thing. Like, that's crazy, which always makes me feel so good. So it's been a lot of really great growth for me and and I do feel really confident and I felt I felt really confident during the rebrand and I just poured all of my energy into that because I had just broken up with my boyfriend and I was like I'm going to make this happen like this is my thing now nobody's going to bring me down <laughs> and um so I just went all in and afterwards I was like I'm so proud of this and I still feel that way but I mean, it's definitely stressful too. Um, but I I know that I'm doing something that I love. Um, it's something that speaks to me as a person who loves nature, um, as a person who wants to feel you know pretty without having to wear a lot of makeup. And not that that's a bad thing either. But um, you know, I just never I've never really been into that. Um, but it's yeah, it makes me very happy and very confident. And that definitely carries back into the business as well. Oh. I love that. And I, I, I can even tell now, like knowing you and seeing you talk about your business as long as we have, like seeing the confidence with which you talk about what you do now is so different from when you were like talking about poor and pretty and kind of unsure if that was the name for you. Like yeah. huge, massive changes have, have definitely happened. Um, so congratulations. A lot Thanks. of hard work, but it sounds like some good payoffs. Definitely. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about still having a day job and floor apothecary being your side hustle. Um, it's, do you have like a revenue split? Like how much money do you make from your day job? And then how much do you make from your side hustle? And is there at any point a dollar amount where you would leave your day job and make floor apothecary your full-time hustle? Um, and you don't have to give specific numbers. Like if you just <laughs> want to give like a pie chart breakdown almost. Yeah. So, I mean, most of most of the money that I make from Floor Apothecary really goes back into it, um, whether it's advertising or, um, you know, making, you know, buying um, ingredients to make new products. So I so I don't really take home a whole lot from it at this point. Um, because I'm really still kind of in the building phase of it, even though, even though I have been making and selling products for, oh God, like, I don't know, nine, 10 years at this point. Um, I, I still, at least with this brand, I'm finally getting serious about it. So I would say, so I wouldn't even, I don't even really count it as income yet. And maybe that's a bad thing, but, um, but I do track it you know, vigorously. I have a monthly goal and a yearly and annual goal that I need to meet. Um, so far this year, I've been like way exceeding it. It's only February, but still. Um, and yeah, but so most of my income, I would say all, all of my income comes from my day job. Um, but that being said, there's a lot of it that I can and am putting aside for 
the time that I decide it's it's time to leave. And again, in your episode 108, you were saying, Kathleen, about how, you know, it's, it's usually about when you're at like 50%, at least like this is kind of how you feel about it. When you're at 50% of your income for your side hustle, that's when you can leave. And I would say that's probably true for me, especially because I do have a partner who's working too. So, you know, right now I actually make more than he does, but... <laughs> Maybe someday that that will be different or maybe someday, you know, my my business will take off and he will work for me. He's OK with that, too. He actually works. Um, so is he more supportive than the ex that you? Oh, yes, up with? definitely. He um, he loves to cook. So he cooks most of our meals during the week when, you know, I come home and and have to, you know, just like want to get right into my business. He's like, don't worry, I'll cook you know, and, and he, um, helps me. I don't even have to ask him like when I'm setting up for a craft fair or, you know, like I, we have a family calendar and I write on, you know, the days that I'm doing a craft fair and things like that. And he'll be like, okay, what do you need from me? Do you need my help? Like, and he's, he's just amazing. He's wonderful. Um, yeah. Ah, So, (laughs) so I feel really good. And he, you know, he helps me. I had a, um, I partnered with goddess provisions Last year, um, I had my chocolate masks in their box, and I had to make 2,300 masks. And what? yeah, and I don't think I would have been able to do that if it, um, you know, if it weren't for Dave. And um, also my niece, I paid her to help us out. She's uh, 14, so I paid her like 10 bucks an hour, and it was like the best thing ever for her. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, but a lot of, you know, with the nine to five thing, a lot of it comes down to budgeting your time and your money. And, you know, I have to be really good at making sure that I'm not buying things that I don't need because, you know, I kind of have to ask myself every time I want to buy something, do I really want this or do I really want to work for myself someday? And I try to get into the habit of thinking about that, um, you know, with within reason. Um, What do you think would have to change in your business model for it to be making a profit, like where you're not pouring all your money back into the business but actually making a profit. I mean, are there any goals like having a bigger brand buy you out where you could still be maybe the creative director and designing the products, but not necessarily having to deal with distribution? Like what would have to happen? What would have to change? Well, right now I'm focusing on getting more wholesale accounts um, because that's that's really where I can bring in, you know, I mean, yes, I want to grow um, my email list and get more people to my website. But, you know, doing like one one-on-one orders is not going to grow my business as much as getting my um, my products into the hands of, you know, hundreds of people in, in stores, um, in brick-and-mortar stores and online, uh, you know, marketplaces as well. So that's kind of where my focus is. I do have a revenue goal for when, um, for when I want to quit my day job, and that is right around 50%. Um, but the other thing too, and actually I'm going to recommend a resource. It's called, um, make a living selling what you make. It's by Megan Alman from, um, it's a, it's a creative live, um, broadcast and she's a friend of Tara Gentili's. Yeah. Yep. So she's, she's amazing. And I took that during my rebrand and she's all about like, before you even get into pricing your products or anything, she basically makes you start at, okay, what do you want to be making a year to support the life that you want to have? Um, I think it's important for all of us to travel. Um, you know, so that's something that like Dave and I just got back a couple of weeks ago from a two week Euro trip. I'd never been to Europe. I bought tickets to see the Harry Potter play like two years ago. That's how long I had to wait. (laughs) And I was like, you know what, let's make this a thing. So I know it's really important to me to be able to maybe not have that big of a travel, you know, a vacation every year, but something like that every year. So you work that into what you want to be making, and then you price your products based on that, which I thought was genius and something that I don't think people think of that much. They just kind of go with the formula of, okay, this is how much it cost me. You know, this is how much, how much time it took me to make. Um, without actually thinking of what money really means to them and how that can actually support their lifestyle. So that's something that I would highly recommend for any makers to take her class. Um, and, and we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Yeah. So what I would really recommend, though, not that we got on this to coach you, 
Sammy. That's okay. <laughs> but for anyone listening, I think it's I think it's really common for people to start a business and to really use profit or paying themselves as like the least important thing. Mm-hmm. Like all the other things are really important. And, and it is very important to put your money back in your business and invest where needed and all of those things. But if you never make it a priority to pay yourself from your business, you'll never make it a priority to pay yourself from your business. And even Kathleen has this little like write yourself a check thing, which I think is genius, mm-hmm. where like even if you just start writing yourself a check for 50 bucks a week or what, like something really, really small so that you are making it some like at least on the list of priorities, even if it's not at the very top. I love I that. Think, and I'm going to do I that. Think, Good, please do. I think it like taps into the universe a little bit Mm -hmm. where you start to get in the habit and you start to prove to – sorry, Emily, I didn't mean to totally cut you off there. You're probably about (laughs) to say all the same things. (laughs) But you're you're starting to prove to yourself that this is important and your brain starts to recognize, okay, I'm writing myself a $50 check every week. What if that was $500? What if that was $5,000? And your brain will start to find ways for you to make that happen. But first you have to put the habit it in place to start to increase it well and it also makes you feel like you've earned it you know like it's you can say like I have earned this money (laughs) I know that I have because my blood sweat and tears went into (laughs) doing everything to get this money so and I think you know feeling like you're worth it and you've earned it is is a really good thing to have too so thank you Emily I'm gonna start doing that Please do. It's important. And everyone should. Writing yourself a check from your business is an absolute must. So if you're not doing it yet, start really small, but start. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about the other side of pricing and the products that you use are super quality, right? Yes. I mean, I so I have to tell everyone, I use your products. Same. You sent me, <laughs> you sent me I, well, I got one, the chocolate mask in the goddess box. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then um, you sent me like a couple of really small samples. Mm-hmm. But then after that, I was buying it. So you guys, 100%, you have to know, I was actually buying Sammy's products. The deodorant is the bomb. Everyone. <laughs> my most you. popular <laughs> blog post from whenever I was still personal blogging was all about my armpits. Well, that's why I knew I had to send you matters. some deodorant. I was like, I, you know what? I'm, And that was another thing that I was really nervous about doing. But I was like, you know what? I know she'll be honest, and if she hates it, then she'll just, you know, say that she hates it, and she'll never use it, and it'll be fine. But I was like, I'm going to send this. I'm going to, like, take the leap and and send it to you, and, and you love it, and that makes me feel so good. <laughs> ah, I do, and I love your masks, and I love your – I use the facial serum, so it's really good. And my sister – or my brother's girlfriend loves it as well. She has really sensitive skin, and she says it's the only – like oil-based serum that she can use that doesn't make her break out. So that makes me feel so good. Thank you. Lots of compliments. (laughs) And I was also just catching up on your blog the other day and you share such good information. It is clear that you are knowledgeable about the ingredients that you use. So there are two things I want to talk about next is pricing your ingredients and really not compromising that. So I, as we were talking about pricing and paying yourself, I can see where people start to get into a place where they might start sacrificing ingredients to keep their price point low and to make more profit. I don't have a feeling that you would ever do that maybe. Or, you know, like how do you work around that? Like how do you source and price your ingredients and keep keep your product like at the quality that it is at the price that it is? So that's actually another thing that I learned from Megan Auman. Um, and she, she has you go through this whole um, – you know, this whole thing about finding other products that are similar to yours in the market and find, finding like the highest price point um, and like finding an average and then looking at your price point. And it's all like it's always so much higher um, the, you know, the average in the market versus like your own price point. And you're like, OK, so I guess people are already spending this much money, which is which makes me feel good. <laughs> so I um, so that's kind of where I start from, because then that gives me, again, like that place of like confidence and security that I know that I'm not crazy. Um, but also I it's very, very important to me to use um, organic and fair trade ingredients whenever possible. Um, and also my products are all vegan. So I, I don't even use things like beeswax or honey in my products. Um, so all of those things are really important to me. I want to 
because for me, like I want to know exactly what I'm putting on my body and I want to know that it's, you know, harvested in a sustainable way. I want to know that there aren't any, um, you know, there, there aren't any like toxic chemicals that go into the production process of this product because otherwise it's like, okay, well, if I'm just getting ingredients that are toxic and putting it into my, you know, even if, even if they're natural ingredients, if they've been treated with toxins um, to be made or harvested, then it's kind of defeating the purpose. So, um, so for me, that's really important. And I know that for people who purchase from me, from my community, that's also really important to them. So it doesn't, it doesn't really make me feel nervous. Um, and again, I think doing that research and seeing what else is out there and what other especially especially if you look at companies where you know there are toxic ingredients in them and they're charging three times more than what you wanted to charge, you're like, okay, like I don't feel bad anymore about this. Like I, I feel like I can ask for this kind of money and I deserve it. I feel like you're talking about so much awareness now that I just have to make people aware of your awareness <laughs> in that you know what's important to you, you mm-hmm. know what's important to your customer, and you know what's out there and what isn't out there. Like you are doing all the footwork that you need to make the right product for yourself and your customers. And that is that's something I admire hugely. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and again, it, it goes back to just my personality too. I'm I'm a very curious research-oriented person, um, which I never really thought that I would be research-oriented, but I, I really am. And so that's why that's really important to me because I know I I would want to know where everything comes from. Um, so I want to know that for my customers too. Okay, speaking of research, how do you – let's talk about time again. Like one, how do you find the time to study herbalism and like even the the ingredients that you use knowing that they're not going to – what's the word that you used on your blog recently? Like um, non-comogenic? Yeah, so that means it doesn't clog your pores. Okay. <laughs> so like knowing stuff like that, like yeah. how do you – how do you – make the time to learn about this stuff and then on top of that actually create this stuff and here's another question I have are you creating the products as they come in like on demand or do you create batches and then ship them out like how does what's your process like yeah so well kind of going back to your um your question about budgeting time I use I do use the sauna which I think is actually something I learned about from um you ladies I also have a, I like to cross things off. It makes me feel accomplished. So I also have like paper to-do lists. (laughs) Um, And I have a planner uh, that I use on a weekly, monthly, and yearly basis. That's a a print planner. So I have to be very, very organized because otherwise I'm a complete scatterbrain. Um, and I, and that's also awareness. I know that about myself. So I know that I have to be really organized if I want to get things done. Um, so usually what happens is I will concentrate on making during the week because after, you know, as, um, in my job, I'm a digital marketer. So I don't want to do a whole lot of digital marketing when I come home because I've been doing it all day. So I know, so I try to prioritize doing, you know, making during the week so that on the weekend I can do my marketing, my content creation, my photography. You know, the other thing too is, um, when I come home from work, a lot of times, especially, you know, during this time of year, there's not a whole lot of light. So I can't take photos that well. So that's why I have to prioritize doing that on the weekend so that I have nice natural light that I can use for my photos. Um, so that's a big part of it. And then going back to, you know, I, I said Dave cooks a lot. So he gives me, you know, if he's making dinner during the week, that gives me time to work on business stuff. Um, and then, yes, I do normally make batches of things and then ship them out kind of as as I get orders for them. Um, you know, sometimes if I'm getting like a big wholesale order, I'll have to make extra of something. Um, in that case, you know, I, I always tell people, that I need about two to three weeks to fulfill a wholesale order. Most of the time it's done in half the time or less. Um, but, you know, I, I do try to give myself a grace period because, yeah, I, I have a full-time job too. So, um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much how I handle it. But a lot of it is is planning. You know, a lot of it is having a content calendar, knowing what to post and when. And that's how I am able to create so much you know, photography and, um, because I do it all on the weekend and kind of like schedule it out. 
Um, I also... And then what about like learning about the product itself? Like, you know, I feel like you're so knowledgeable and smart and obviously nerding out on things (laughs) is something that you like to do naturally. So are you naturally reading books about beauty or listening to podcasts or taking courses? Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So there definitely are some courses and I've thought about like going to school to be an esthetician, but I'm like, you know what? I really don't want to go back to school. Um, So a lot of it is research that I've done on my own, buying books, um, you know, doing online classes, things like that, and just doing research myself. Um, I've started to really, you know, be able, um, I'm I'm able to kind of like read scientific research now, especially because my boyfriend is around and he is a a scientist. He's a biomolecular scientist. So I can bring things to him and be like, what is this word? Yeah. So he's great. (laughs) I'm like, you know, so he helps me with with some of that stuff sometimes. But um, yeah, a lot of it is, that's that's what I read, like like for fun. I guess I'm kind of Hermione <laughs> in that way, <laughs> um, you know. So I'm and and I also my products tend to come from um, either a place of curiosity or because I know that it's something that people want, like the deodorant. I've never really I'm I'm not I don't sweat a lot. And I don't really get all that stinky and I'm not super active. So deodorant, finding it. Rub it in. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So finding. pretty stinky, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So finding a natural deodorant for me wasn't, it wasn't too much of a challenge. I did try a lot and was surprised that I couldn't find something that worked for me. But I knew that it was, it was kind of like the last bastion that people hold onto when they're switching to natural products. So I was like. I'm going to make one that works because I'm also really determined. Um, and so, yeah, so that's that's kind of where that came out of. But everything else, you know, the soap, like I was just like, I kind of want to make this. I want to learn how to do it myself. And then it was sort of like a challenge. You know, now it was like, okay, well, I can make my own soap. Can I make my own, um, you know, facial toner? Can I make my own hairspray? Can I make, you know, so it's, it usually comes out of that. Um, and And also, you know, people will ask me for things. Um, and things like sugar scrub is, you know, those are actually pretty easy to make. Um, so, um, yeah, so, I mean, a, a lot of it just comes from research, like knowing what other people like, but also what what I want to make and what would be fun for me and what would be a challenge for me. And then I start from, okay, I know I want to make something like this. What have I used that's, that has worked? What have I used that has, you know, um, hasn't worked? And how can I make, how can I make it unique and make it better? Um, and then that's when I kind of go into research mode, either buying and, and trying different products or researching the ingredients and the ones that worked and didn't work and researching other ingredients that, you know, I think might work. Um, and then a lot of it is trial and error. So, I mean, the deodorant, I think, took me probably two or three tries to get right. And then once I knew it worked for me, I was like, okay, I that's great that it works for me. But again, I'm not super stinky or, you know, whatever. So I, so let me send this to let Kathleen. Let me send it to Kathleen. Because <laughs> if it works for her, I know it'll work for anybody. <laughs> just kidding. Sorry. Okay, side note. <laughs> I just heard that is it chlorella or is that the poison? The green supplement that you can take? Mm-hmm. It's like chlorophyll? a chlorophyll. Is it chlorophyll? Like like or the chlorella. Plant, plant stuff? I don't know. Yeah. I will link to it in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> Nature's deodorant. It works from the inside out apparently. It's just like a supplement that you add to your water. Oh, that's interesting. Not to put I have you out of business, of Sammy. Yeah, thanks. With your deodorant. <laughs> I've also found, I will say this too, though. I have to cycle through my natural deodorants. So there are probably like three brands now that I really like, and yours is one of them. Just to be fair, I have to cycle through because it's almost like my body becomes used to one, and then I go to the other one. And then once it gets used to that, like I go to the next one. Yeah, and that's that's Just totally normal that too. Um, And I, I tell people too, whenever they're switching products, whether it's a deodorant, especially if it's a deodorant, but really with any any product switching that you're doing, especially if you're going from a non-natural to a natural, to give your body at least two weeks to adjust because essentially what your body is doing is detoxing. So um, if you're switching to a new deodorant, you might be a little extra stinky for a little while. So you kind of have to let your body work through that and then it'll adjust and, you know, be better. So that's one thing that I I always like to tell people. And then usually after that, it works, but it it makes total sense that you have to kind of switch through things because your hormones are changing. 
Yeah. Speaking of hormones, one of my other brands that I was using a lot um, whenever I was pregnant and breastfeeding would totally make me break out. And it was totally just like a hormone thing. Yeah. Because then once I was done being pregnant and nursing a baby, it worked again. So I actually have um, I have an ebook which I wrote as Poor and Pretty and still have yet to kind of fully rebrand. Um, but I actually launched that right after NOLA. And it's called um, The DIY Guide to Beauty on a Budget. And that's actually also available on floropothecary.com. So for people who are kind of just getting into natural beauty, want to know how to trend, how to like kind of transition into natural beauty or whether you want to make it yourself or not, it's a really good guide. And it has a lot of the research that I've done already there. It has, you know, tips on like what kinds of um, essential oils to use, when not to use them, what they pair well with. Um, you know, as well as like a lot of things on like how to figure out what your skin type is, which is really kind of a myth anyway. And, you know, how to figure out like, but really how to figure out like kind of what your skin problems are and how to fix them as well as a lot of recipes too. Ah, I love that. We'll definitely link to that in the show notes for sure. Rebrand it before this episode launches. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my now list of to do deadline. <laughs> right. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about just kind of being a maker and the challenges that you face as a maker. Like, do you ever listen to Being Boss? Because obviously we talk to a lot of service providers and we offer more services than makers. But I'm starting to see a lot of overlap between being a maker and a service provider. I feel like pricing is very similar. It's looking at the life that you want to live and working backward from there, looking at how much you need versus how much you want. I think the only difference is really just that challenge in sourcing materials and kind of having that overhead. But are there any other challenges as a maker that you wish you could hear more about on Being Boss or talk about on Being Boss that. Or just share your struggles with us. Yeah, just share your struggles. <laughs> <laughs> what sucks? Um, I mean, I really love making things. So that honestly is my favorite part. Um, and I, I've given a lot of thought to, you know, being a service-based business as well for a while I thought, and you know, this could change again because I'm a Gemini, that like maybe I would do um, some service-based like graphic design or content marketing for people and some making. But I really love making. I mean, even when I tried to stop like doing poor and pretty for a while before I rebranded, I was like, I really need to do this because I just love it. Um, but yeah, sourcing sourcing is can be kind of challenging. Um, and again, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of that research. I mean, I think when you're a service based business, you're probably still doing a lot of research, um, like what the trends are in graphic design and you know easier ways to do things. Um, and, you know, so I, I kind of have to keep up with, with that sort of stuff as well. Um, as well as making sure one thing that I noticed that a lot of people don't consider when pricing their products is, um, is actually shipping costs of their ingredients. So that's something that I always make sure that I work into my ingredients and trying to make sure that I get, um, you know, a lot of things from one vendor so that whenever I'm buying things, I'm not just buying like one thing at a time. Um, I'm really maximizing like that shipping cost. So that's one thing that I probably would like, I, that's one of those things I had to figure out on my own. Um, generally, I think, I think a lot of it does feel really similar. Um, I think maybe at the beginning when I didn't really understand my business as well, I probably felt that way about the Being Boss podcast, you know, that I was like, oh, why can't they just talk about, you know, um, maker stuff and like how to, I mean, but one thing that would be great is would be like product photography, right? Like that's something that I know a lot of people struggle with and um, especially doing that kind of thing on a budget, you know, you don't have to have a DSLR. You don't have to have like all of these crazy like granite backdrops and stuff like that. Um, and I feel like that's something that's pretty unique to um, to makers, you know, is, is actually Yeah, all that you need is some natural light and an iPhone, right? Basically, yeah. I mean, right? <laughs> I do have, I do have a, a digital SLR that I do most of my product photos with, but a lot of the stuff that I put on Instagram is, is done with my iPhone. 
Um, you know, and, and things like, you know, there are probably unique challenges like how do I set up shipping costs and figure out those things? And like, you know, how do I sell outside of the United States? And, you know, those are all kinds of things that I think are pretty unique to makers. I have a question mm -hmm. about the beauty box or contributing to the goddess box. Yeah. How I've always been really curious how that works and if that was a strategy that converted well for you. So you had to make 2,300 yes. little chocolate masks, mm -hmm. which are so amazing and good. Thank you. <laughs> so were you, do you get paid or do you have to give, are you giving those for free and did you see a return on that investment? How does that work? Yeah. So, um, I, it's, I don't, this is the only box that I've worked with. Um, I've been approached by other boxes, but um, Goddess Provisions is the only one that I've actually worked with. They gave me, um, they gave me money up front that essentially just covered my cost of materials. So it didn't cover the cost of time um, of, you know, making all the products. It didn't cover my niece's, you know, income. <laughs> um, it didn't cover shipping, um, like, and I had to ship on a pallet, which was ridiculously expensive. So that's something that I wish that I had researched a little bit more. I had to ship these 2,300 glass masks on a pallet. And I had to have, you know, I had to pay a company to come out and like pick it up from my house. So that was, that was pretty pricey. I think it was like around $800 just for shipping. Whoa. Yeah. And whoa. I, I don't know how much, I don't know if they give, um, everybody the same amount of money or, you know, if there's, if there's like a certain, I, I don't want to say how much it is only because, you know, I, I don't know if they have like a non-disclosure or something, but, um, but essentially they gave me enough but money. you got paid. Yeah. At cost. At cost. But maybe lost a little bit on that pallet shipping. Yes, definitely lost some on the pallet shipping. Um, I didn't, I didn't recoup my costs. I will say that much. Um, I also way overbought because, you know, my, um, I'm not great at math. And so my math was like totally off with how much <laughs> ingredients I need. So I have, you know, cocoa powder to last me for like the rest of my life. But um, yeah, so, but how it worked with them is they, you know, they gave me some money up front. I was able to use that to buy um, a lot of the, you know, ingredients that I would need. And then I got a lot of new Instagram followers from it and a lot of great content from it. I didn't get a whole lot of return orders. Um, and I think that might just be the nature of those boxes because a lot of times, you know, like I, I had gotten boxes like that before. I used to get like a craft subscription box and um, I I would, you know, probably like use the product and then never think about it again. Um, so I think that's probably just the nature of those things. And maybe there are some companies that have done really well with them. Like I said, I did get a lot of followers. I did get some orders from it. Um, I got, you know, a couple of new, you know, I would call them like inf influencers in the community who really like love my products. Um, and, you know, will talk about my products whenever possible, you know, whenever they have like new, I have new things out and stuff. So that's nice. But like cost wise, you know, the sales did not add up to what I was what I was hoping for. Um, so then like, what would you do differently? So now let's say, would you do a box again? Or where would you allocate your time and money and energy to getting to growing your brand and getting more of your product out into the world? So if I were going to invest that same amount of money that I poured into the goddess provisions box, I would probably put it towards um, going to like an industry um, event, you know, so something I know there are like, um, wholesale events for um, natural beauty businesses. And there are like a couple that I would really love to go to. And I think that's what I probably would have done with the money. Um, and that's probably what I will end up doing with it either this year or next year. So um, and and again, it, it could be different, like it could just be my unique experience. I and I mean, I got reviews back on the products because they actually send out surveys, which I think is really great. Um, for the products and everybody loved them, but you know, that just didn't translate into sales. And also a mask is something that like, you're probably not going to use pretty frequently, you know, um, maybe they use it like a couple of times and, um, but I did insist. And I think this is something that if, 
if a maker is considering doing a box that they should insist upon. Um, I did insist upon having a coupon that went with my mask so that because that I knew would help push sales. Um, but even with that coupon, which was a pretty, it was a 25% discount. So that's pretty good. Um, you know, even with that, it just didn't really translate into sales. And I was hoping it would because the box went out in October. I had the coupon code through the end of January. So I was like, yeah, people are going to try my stuff for a little while. They're going to love it. They're going to come back for the holidays and order. And it just didn't work out that way. That's some, that's some really good insights, though. I feel like I've gotten several questions about those sort of subscription boxes, both like both in the terms of people who want to start them, um, because I think that it is very um, in right now to have your box. Kathleen and I have even talked about doing a boss box very lightly, um, <laughs> but but also in people being invited to be a part of them. So I like you sharing that. And I love I love the goddess provisions box. Like I so, do too. Um, it's really yes. great. Emily and I both get it every yes. month. We should have her on the show to talk about what we it's should. like to have a box. <laughs> Agreed. But how often do you actually buy? Like when you after you're done using the products, right? Do you end up I buying a lot don't. of them? No, but I did. There was another beauty mask in a recent box, and I started following them. So, like, I'm more likely to follow the beauty people in the box, and that might just be my own personal preferences. Mm-hmm. Um, except not the lip glosses because they're sticky. But anything that's like a mask <laughs> or skincare or deodorant, I'm I'm more likely to invest time or at least a Instagram follow in that. Yeah, because that's really easy to do. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Right. And then it's just about being reminded, mm-hmm. you know, all the time. Okay. Emily, did you say that you have to go? No. No, oh, okay. I was going to no, I, I, say, I have to go. No, I was going to say um, what, what I love, like just coming, what's coming up for me and talking to you is I can't wait for you to do this full time. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and I only say, well, I say that for lots of reasons, but really like I can tell like you are in this. You are so wholeheartedly in this. And I just can only imagine what you will be able to produce whenever you are allowed to invest more of your time and energy into this into this business of yours. It's fun to watch you talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I cannot wait for that day also. <laughs> Well, I'm a total beauty skincare nerd, and I love using all of your stuff. I also just used um, the coconut co- cacao body butter. Yesterday, oh, yeah, whipped my whipped body, body butter. butter. Mm-hmm. And I love that you have a warning on it to not actually eat it, because I was so tempted. <laughs> it to like so good. Especially, especially when I was doing a Whole30, I was so tempted to just like <laughs> take a bite I of promise it. it <laughs> smells <laughs> like chocolate, but it doesn't taste like it. It's really funny, because I was making it once, and I whip it in a KitchenAid just like you would make, you know, um, like frosting, homemade frosting. And Dave came into the kitchen and he was like, I know I can't eat that, but I really want to try it. And I was like, fine, but you have to put on gloves first. (laughs) (laughs) And he actually did try it. And he was like, yeah, I knew it wasn't going to be good. So. I love using it on my hands in the winter. So, okay, I want to I want to nerd out on some beauty for a second okay. before we go. <laughs> what is your favorite product that you make? Like, what could you not live without? And maybe just give us like kind of an overview of some of your favorite products that you make. Okay, um, I cannot live without my toner. That is my favorite product, and that is what I've. I'm pretty lucky in that I I never really had a whole lot of acne. Um, but I would have really, I'd have some patches that were really dry and then some patches that were, you know, really oily. So, um, and I actually have a friend who is, um, you know, she went to beauty school. She's not an esthetician, but she um, had to take a lot of like skincare classes. And um, I remember her telling me when, I don't know, I was probably like 16, 17, she was like, you need to have a toner. And I was like, okay, I trust you because like you're going to school for this. And um, I started using one and like that's what started to really like make my skin kind of glow and 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 be vibrant and feel like just not look so like blech, you know. Um, and it also evened out my um, my dry spots and my oily spots. So that is the product that I can't live without. And actually we – 
Dave and I ran out of it because he uses it too. He actually, you could quiz him about my products and he knows most of it. So that's how, that's how you can tell he's supportive. So it's also for you guys listening. <laughs> exactly. Um, we ran out of it on our vacation and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Um, and my skin was like dry the rest of the time because it was super cold in Europe. But anyway, um, so that is one thing I can't live without. It's got um, rose water in it, which is really great for hydrating your skin. Um, it also has um, green tea extract in it, which is another thing that's really great for balancing. It also reduces redness and like blotchiness in your skin, which is um, sometimes a problem for me. So um, those are both things that are, you know, really great. It has a lot of other amazing ingredients too. But um, that's probably the one product that I can couldn't live without. The next would probably be my rejuvenating serum. So the one that you mentioned, Kathleen, that your um, sister, your brother's girlfriend uses. I, know, I keep calling her <laughs> my sister-in-law, but my brother's girlfriend, they are not married. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, and that's a relatively new product. Um, I launched that, I think, May or June of last year. So still somewhat new to the line. Um I used to just use like um, water-based moisturizers for my skin. Um, and I don't know, like my skin would just kind of like suck it in and it would still be kind of dry, especially because I live in Connecticut and it can be pretty dry here in the winter. So um, I decided to just out of nowhere make a serum because I just, I wanted to, again, this was like a challenge for me. I was like, at first I wanted to make a moisturizer, but I know that a lot of moisturizers, you know, they're, they're water-based. And anytime you add water to something, you have to add a preservative. Most of the time they have to be chemical in order to keep like the fungus and bacteria out of it. And I was like, nope, I'm not doing that. I don't want to, you know, sacrifice the quality of my brand for that. So I'm going to make it purely oil-based. And I did. And this was one of those things that I got right on the first try, which happens sometimes. And it was really great. And um, yeah, so that's another thing that's really great. Um, most of my products, including the serum, have jojoba oil in them. Um, and that is like a miracle ingredient for me that I found um, because it's most... It's the oil that is most similar to our skin's own natural oils without being um, an allergenic. So a lot of people are allergic to almond oil and other kinds of nut oils. Um, jojoba is actually technically a wax, so um, but it functions on our bodies like an oil. Um, so that is actually in a lot of my products, including the whipped body butter, um, my serum, basically anything that has oil in it has jojoba oil in it. Um, so that's one thing that I, I also really love. Um, and then I do also love the whipped body butter because it smells like chocolate, but not too much like chocolate. Like you don't smell like a bakery when you put it on. Um, but you know, sometimes I'll put it on and, uh, my coworker that I sit next to, she's like, Oh God, I just really want some chocolate now. And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can have some of this, but don't eat it. <laughs> Um, and I, so I love that because a lot of whipped body butters are like really, like really thick and like sticky. Um, and mine again, because it has the jojoba oil in it, which absorbs really nicely into our skin. Um, it's, it doesn't end up being like thick and sticky. It, it absorbs pretty well. Um, so I love that, especially, you know, during the winter time. And sometimes, um, I actually haven't had to do this. Now that I've been using my serum, but I used to have to um, use some of my whipped body butter on my face too. You can. It does It does have coconut oil in it, so I don't recommend using it as like your primary source of moisturizer um, because coconut oil can cause breakouts. It can clog your pores. Um, so yeah, those are probably my favorites. My scrubs, I really, you know go through those, um, depending on what kind of mood I'm in and what kind of season it is. Um, as far as the face masks go, I have a rose one, a charcoal one, and a chocolate one. The chocolate one's my favorite because it's chocolate. Um, and the charcoal one I like to use usually like a week leading up to my period. Cause that's when I tend to have breakouts again, kind of going back to like the hormones, um, changing like our skin and stuff. So, um, and I wouldn't recommend that for people who have really sensitive skin, but I should also kind of going back to the jojoba oil thing. It's really important to me. And this isn't something that I necessarily use as a marketing 
platform, but I probably should. It's important to me to create products for people who have really sensitive skin or allergies. So even though I can use a lot of things, including almond oil, I don't put it in my products because I want people who do have sensitive skin and allergies to be able to use my products. Oh, I love that. One of the things I love about your products is that they make me feel super girly. <laughs> like, and, and I feel like there's like a ritual to even yes. I, I just remembered that I use the toner. I had a small sample size mm-hmm. and ran out of it pretty fast, but I would use it every morning and it would just make me feel like I'm a girl in the world. <laughs> and then <laughs> I love that. It's like, I just feel like there's some ritual included and you have the pink Himalayan salts that you mm-hmm. can dash in your bath. Like, I just feel like they make you feel super pretty, but also that you're blending ritual with beauty. So it's not just about the beauty itself, but the ritual of taking care of yourself, which is a big part of being boss is making sure that you're taking care of yourself like a boss. And I just think that your products do good with that. I think also there's something to the fact that you use glass. Like, I think that your glassware makes it feel extra special. Well, that's another thing that's important because um, a lot of times um, essential oils can break down the plastics um, or like the chemicals in plastic. So it's, and, you know, plastic is not as eco-friendly. So for me, it's, it was super important to make sure that I had something that not only could withstand, you know, the oils that I was using, but also is, you know, really recyclable. So that's why I went with glass. Love it. All right. Let's wrap this up. I want to ask you what makes you feel most boss? Um, well, being on being boss feels pretty boss. <laughs> I have to be honest. Um, and I feel really boss when I get um nice like comments from people and reviews when, you know, people are like, oh my God, I love your product. I can't live without it. It's, you know, changed my life. Or or even when they say things like, and actually you're um, the second person who said to me this week already, oh, I had no idea that Floor Apothecary was a side hustle. So that also makes me feel pretty boss. Um, and having a bath on. So I try to take a bath every Sunday. I call them self-care Sundays, which is something I picked up from who knows the internet probably. Um, And, you know, for me, especially. The internet loves their alliterating days. And I do too. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's something like I, I believe, I don't really believe in balance because I think there's always going to be one thing that rises to the top. And then the next day, you know, you put the next thing on top. Um, So some days it's relationships, some days it's work, some days it's side hustle, some days it's yourself. And Sundays for me, it's myself. Um, So I try to make sure that I take a bath and just kind of, you know, with my rose Himalayan bath salts and I feel totally boss doing it. (laughs) Where can our listeners find you? You can find me at floorapothecary.com. Um, for those of you who are like, how do you spell that? I need I need some help. It's F-L-O-R-A-P-O-T-H-E-C-A-R-I-E. Um, and I know it'll be in the show notes as well. <laughs> um, and on all social media, I'm at floorapothecary. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I can't wait can't wait for the day (laughs) this is able to be your full-time gig and I imagine I don't know I just imagine your product line growing into some awesome awesome things yeah I can't wait to see your product on the shelf at like Sephora or a place that I shop and being like Urban Outfitters is my goal Ooh, yes. that's my goal. That is a good goal. Yeah. So, and I'm I am testing some new products. Kathleen has applied to be a tester. Of course, you're going to be getting. Yeah, them like soon. I went through the application <laughs> process and everything. I good. Know. Well, <laughs> mostly I just need to make sure that people won't sue me in case like anything bad happens. So that's why I have that. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to cover my butt. <laughs> I'm ready good. for it. Good. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us again. We'll have links to all of your stuff in the show notes for our listeners. And yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so glad that we were finally able to make it work. Yes. Thank you. 
All right, bosses, get ready for some online business insights. Kathleen and I firmly believe that a significant way to build financial security into your business is by creating a recurring revenue stream. What this means is that your customers are paying you regularly, usually monthly, for whatever it is you're offering. But the reality of this is that finding a system that will actually get that money into your hand without you hunting down your payment every month is difficult, unless you have a handy tool that will take care of it for you. This is where Acuity Scheduling has your back. With Acuity, you can not only schedule your appointments and take payments, which we find pretty boss in itself, but you can also sell memberships or subscriptions to these appointments. Think massage therapists, coaches, and more so that you can find some stability in knowing that you'll be raking in cash without having to manage the collection. Put your scheduling and payment collection on autopilot through Acuity Scheduling. Sign up for your free trial of scheduling sanity at acuityscheduling.com slash beingboss. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find articles, show notes, and downloads at www.beingboss.club. If you're a creative entrepreneur, freelancer, or a small business owner who is ready to take your goals to the next level, check out the Being Boss Clubhouse, a two-day online retreat followed by a year of community support, monthly masterclasses, book club, secret episodes, and optional in-person retreats. Find more at www.beingboss.club clubhouse. Thank you so much to our team and sponsors who make Being Boss possible. Our sound engineer and web developer, Corey Winter. Our editorial director and content manager, Caitlin Brain. Our community manager and social media director, Sharon Lukey. And our bean counter, David Austin, with support from Braid Creative and Indie Shopography. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week.